welcome to this episode of Psych Attack. I'm Dr. Jasmine B. MacDonald. Today I have a random conversation with ChatGPT as though it were a psychological researcher. I hope you're going well and have settled in with a warm cup of tea. Thanks for checking this episode out. Uh, In this episode, I am having an artificial conversation with um, a researcher that I'm referring to as Dr. ChatGPT. Um, If you haven't already come across ChatGPT, uh, it is um, uh, open access software online where you can uh, basically type anything in and it will use uh, artificial intelligence to uh, feed a response back to you. Um, But the cool thing is when you give it some context, it can give you some really cool responses. So I have given ChatGPT the context of being an Australian uh, researcher working at a university that I want to interview for my podcast. Um, So what you're going to hear next is a weird experiment where my responses are what I have typed in to ChatGPT and the responses to those questions are voiced by Tim, uh, my better half, uh, but is the actual response that we got back from ChatGPT. It's kind of weird, kind of fun little experiment. Um, I note that I didn't tell it uh, what kind of psychological research it does. Um, I, I just kind of told it it was an Australian researcher. Uh, you'll hear that in the introduction, but the things that it's spitting back out is based on I guess, like popular or mainstream understandings of psychology that it can access on the internet. So that in itself is kind of interesting. But I also asked it while it was being Dr. ChatGPT or this psychological researcher, uh, if it had any experience with AI and if it would mind explaining to me what ChatGPT is. Uh, So we'll start with that and then we'll jump into the conversation for the episode. Okay, here we go. Yes, I do have some experience with AI, and I'd be happy to explain what ChatGPT is. ChatGPT is a language model developed by OpenAI, a research organization dedicated to advancing artificial intelligence in a safe and beneficial way. Specifically, ChatGPT is a type of AI that uses deep learning algorithm to analyze and understand natural language text, such as the kind of text using conversations between people. The way that ChatGPT works is by learning, in quotes, from massive amounts of text data, such as books, articles, and websites. By analyzing this data, the algorithm is able to identify patterns and relationships between words, phrases, and sentences, which allows it to generate human-like responses to text-based queries. In practical terms, ChatGPT is a tool that can be used for a wide range of applications, including customer service, language translation, and even creative writing. It is also the technology that powers virtual assistants like Siri and Alexa, which are able to understand and respond to spoken commands. As a language model, ChatGPT is constantly evolving and improving as it analyzes more and more text data. This means that it has potential to become even more sophisticated and powerful in the future, with a wider range of applications and capabilities. Testing one, two. Test one, two, yep. one, two. I'd like to have a conversation with you like we're doing a podcast episode together. You're a famous psychology researcher from Australia. You work at a university 
teaching psychology and doing research. The conversation we have should be conversational and informal. You should be really excited about the psychological research you do. Absolutely. I'm thrilled to be here chatting with you on this podcast. As you mentioned, I'm a psychology researcher from Australia and I'm incredibly passionate about the work that I do. I've been studying psychology for many years now and I'm always excited to share my insights and experience with others. So let's dive in. What would you like to talk about today? What first made you interested in psychology? That's a great question. I've always been fascinated by human behavior and the way we think and perceive the world around us. When I was a kid, I loved observing people and trying to understand what made them tick. As I grew older, I became more interested in science behind human behavior, and that's ultimately uh, and that's what ultimately led me to pursue a career in psychology. I remember taking my first psychology class in high school and being blown away by how much there was to learn. From there, I went on to study psychology in college and even earned my PhD in the field. Uh, along the way, I've had the opportunity to work with some incredible researchers and learn from some of the best in the business. But what really keeps me excited about psychology is the fact there's always more to discover. The human mind is such a complex and fascinating thing, and there's still so many unanswered questions. It's exciting to be a part of a field that's constantly evolving and growing, and I feel fortunate to be able to contribute that knowledge uh, in my own way. That's really cool. You said you've had opportunities to work with some incredible researchers. What do you think makes a good researcher in psychology? Yes, I've been fortunate enough to work with some truly amazing researchers over the years. <laughs> when it comes to what makes a, re a good researcher in psychology, there are a few things uh, that come to mind. First and foremost, I think it's important to have a genuine curiosity and passion for the subject matter. Psychology is such a vast and diverse field, and there are so many different areas of study to explore. A good researcher is someone who is genuinely interested in the questions they're trying to answer and is willing to put in the time and effort to find those answers. Another key characteristic of a good researcher is attention to detail. Mm. Conducting research in psychology often involves collecting and analysing large amounts of data and it's important to be meticulous in your approach. A good researcher pays close attention to every detail in the study design and data collection process ensuring that the results are as accurate and reliable as possible. Finally, I think a good researcher is someone who is open-minded and collaborative. The best research often comes from a team of people with different backgrounds and perspectives, all working together to tackle a problem. A good researcher is someone who is willing to listen to others, consider alternative viewpoints, and work collaboratively to find the best possible solutions to complex problems. Of course, these are just a few of the many characteristics that make a good researcher in psychology, but I think they're all essential components of success in this field. Mm -hmm. I like how you emphasize collaboration. There's some people that feel this kind of pressure or expectation to publish psychological research as a sole author. Um, all of my publications have been co-authored with other people. What are some hard-earned tips you've learnt um, over your career when it comes to having successful and enjoyable collaborations with other researchers? Absolutely. <laughs> Collaboration is so important in psychology research, and I've found that some of the most rewarding and impactful studies I've worked on have been the result of successful collaboration with other researchers. Oh my gosh. 
Uh, here are a few tips that I've learned over the years when it comes to having successful and enjoyable collaborations. One, communication is key. Clear and frequent communication is essential in any collaborative research project. Make sure you establish expectations for how often you'll check in with each other and how you'll communicate. For example, email, video call, in-person meetings. Be sure to also set aside time for regular team meetings to discuss progress, brainstorm new ideas, and address any issues that arise. Uh, number two, divide and conquer. Assign specific roles and responsibility to each team member to ensure that everyone is contributing in a meaningful way. This helps to prevent overlap and confusion and ensures that the project is moving forward efficiently. Three, respect each other's expertise. Hmm. One of the great things about collaborating with other researchers is that everyone brings a unique set of skills and expertise to the table. Respect each other's strengths and areas of expertise and be willing to learn from one another. Mm. Four is to be flexible. Collaborations can be unpredictable and things don't always go according to plan. Be willing to adapt and adjust as needed and be open to new ideas and approaches. Five, celebrate successes. Finally, it's important to celebrate the successes of the team along the way. Acknowledge and appreciate the contributions of each team member and take time to reflect on the progress made and the impact of the research. These are just a few tips that I've found to be helpful in my own collaborations, but there are many other factors that can contribute to successful partnerships in psychology research. At the end of the day, I think it's all about finding a team of people who share your passion for the subject matter and are committed to working together towards a common goal. Thank you. That's a really nice overview that I'm sure the audience will find useful. Can you tell me a little bit about the kind of methods that you use? What kind of psychological research do you do? Sure, I'd be happy to talk about the kind of psychology research that I do. <laughs> My research focuses on the cognitive and emotional processes that underlie social behaviour, particularly in the context of interpersonal relationships. One area of my research that I'm particularly interested in is social cognition, which involves the way that people perceive processes and interpret information about themselves uh, and other social situations. I'm particularly interested in how social cognition influences relationship formation, maintenance, and dissolution. To study these processes, I use a variety of methods in my research, including surveys, experiments, and observational studies. For example, I might conduct experiments in which participants are asked to complete tasks that measure their cognitive or emotional responses to different social stimuli, including uh, such as facial expressions or written messages. I might also use surveys to gather data on participants' beliefs, attitudes, and experiences related to social behavior. In addition to these methods, I also collaborate with other researchers to conduct large-scale studies that involve collecting data from a diverse range of participants over an extended period of time. These studies allow us to gain a more comprehensive understanding of the factors that contribute to social behavior and relationship outcomes. Overall, my goal is to contribute to a better understanding of complex and dynamic nature of social behavior and relationships and to develop interventions that can improve people's lives in meaningful ways. Mm, that's great. Thank you. If you had limitless budget, what study would you conduct and why? Wow, that's a great question. <laughs> 
If I had limitless budget, there are so many exciting research questions that I would love to explore. But if I had to choose just one, I think I would want to conduct a large-scale, longitudinal study that followed couples over the course of their entire relationship, from the early stages of attraction and dating to long-term commitment and possibly even marriage. There are so many questions that we still don't fully understand when it comes to the dynamics of romantic relationships. Like, For example, how do couples navigate the early stages of attraction and build trust and intimacy over time? What factors contribute to like long- how? Like, tell me. <laughs> what factors contribute to success long t- to successful long-term relationships? And what are the warning signs of relationships that are at risk of failing? By following couples over a long period of time and collecting data on a wide range of variables, for example, personality traits, communication styles, life events, we could gain a much better understanding of the factors that contribute to relationship outcomes. We could also develop and test interventions that are tailored to the specific needs of couples at different stages of their relationship, which could have a significant impact on people's lives and well-being. Of course, a study of this magnitude would require a massive amount of resources, both in terms of funding and personnel. But if we had limitless budget, I think this is the kind of research that could truly revolutionize our understanding of romantic relationships and help people build happier, healthier, and more fulfilling relationships throughout their lives. Mm. Thanks so so much for taking the time to chat with me. You're very welcome. Uh, It was great talking to you and discussing some of the fascinating topics in in psychology research. I hope our conversation was informative and enjoyable for you and your audience. For those of you at home, that's all for today. Show notes for the episode can be found at www.psychattack.com. If you've enjoyed listening to Psych Attack, please rate it on your favorite podcast platform and share this episode to help other people find the show. If you have questions or feedback, you can reach out on Twitter at Psych Attack Cast. Thanks for listening and we'll catch up with you again next time.